What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Bass University Extra Credit Podcast. Uh, we are excited to get this thing going again this week. I am super stoked to talk to today's guest, uh, Nick Hatfield. I am your host, Rich Ledbeater, a.k.a. Riz. And just real quick, before we go any further, there is so much going on in the world of like pop culture and media. People are nonstop sending me all these memes and videos and everything, and it's all focused on the word Riz. And I'm like, what is going on? So I feel like it's important. I got to share with our with our podcast audience here where the nickname actually came from. And so my nickname Riz actually came from the first time I was ever on a podcast with uh, Pete and Mike, Pete Gluzek and Mike Iconelli. Pete actually stumbled over my name, introducing me, which my first name is Rich. And it came out as Riz when he introduced me. And as Ike does, Ike lost his mind. That became the nickname. It stuck. It never left. I don't know what all this other Rizness is going on on social media and pop culture, but that's how the original Riz of 2017 was created. So anyway, that's your backstory on that. Like I said, today we got Nick Hatfield on the pod. Um, super excited to talk to him. Before we get into that, let's catch up on a couple of things. Uh, last week, we talked about the trip Justin, the intern, and I were taking up to the Finger Lakes in New York. Yeah, we did that trip last weekend, and it was as advertised. Very good. Um, we went up on Friday night, fish Saturday and Sunday, and Saturday was just absolutely exceptional. It's one of those fishing days that you don't forget for the rest of your life. And uh I'd say we boated somewhere between 70 and 80 fish and probably 60 of those fish came on top water, uh, all between a Rico and a Spro Frog. And it was just as much fun as a human can have. I say that all the time when I, when I catch a fish, it doesn't matter what the technique is. I always say that's as much fun as a human can have. And it really is, but that was an awesome trip. Everything went great on the boat. You know, anytime you're traveling six hours, you, you never know what's going to happen. Is something going to happen on the truck? Something going to happen on the boat? Are we going to, we're going to break a steering cable on the trolling motor? You never know, but everything performed flawlessly. Shout out to, uh, Minn Kota. Minn Kota trolling motor performed wonderfully. And my hummingbird lake master mapping really made uh, breaking down that lake that I'd never seen actually pretty easy. Uh, these new Lake Master chips, I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this or not, but these new Lake Master chips guys are sick. They are absolutely bad to the bone. If you haven't checked them out, you got to check them out. Hummingbird, the, uh, they, they just really, really lead the charge in, uh, in mapping. Um, so yeah, great trip up there. Um, also, uh, Minn Kota this week dropped their Ultrex, new Ultrex Quest trolling motor. That thing is so legit. It's so sick. I got to see those motors firsthand uh, last, no, two weeks ago at a media conference we were up at, at Spirit Lake, Iowa, and um, <laughs> nothing more to be said than just a beast of a trolling motor. It's everything you could expect from the Minn Kota motors, and it's just beefed up. Like I said on the show earlier this week, I don't even think me and, me and Mike could break one of those. I mean, these son of a buns are legit. So, uh, check them out. They'll be releasing at iCast. Uh, what do we got coming up this week? We got, we got a Derby tomorrow, uh, out on the Chesapeake, the Friday series. 
Um, they're always fun. And uh, guys, don't forget, it's Frog Days of Summer going on right now at Bashu TV. Uh, you sign up for a year of Bashu TV. You get an awesome Spro Frog. You get a Bash University camouflage hat. And you get a sick discount on the entire Bash University program. Uh, over a thousand videos. And it's the juice, guys. We're hiring. I'm hiring. All the best anglers on the planet to talk about what they're the best at. If you want to learn more and take your fishing to the next level, you got to check out BassU.TV. But enough of that. Let's start to talk about the guy that we're talking to on the show today. And today we have Nick Hatfield. And Nick is one of those guys that he's just a freaking angler. Like that's 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 all there is to it. He's just a freaking good fisherman he's a good dude he's got a cool story of how he got to where he is now and i mean he's very accomplished uh at at a at a young age early in his career he's got over two hundred fifty thousand dollars in career winnings just on major league fishing um i'm sure he's won a boatload of money back at the house too um he's a college champion he's got 10 top 10s in tour level events he's the 2022 rookie of the year and he is the recent potomac river champion let's bring him on nick what's going on what's going on man <laughs> not much man i'm sitting here uh on my front porch aka the low tide bar and grill and i'm looking at you sitting next to a trophy that's about as big as your body yeah heck yeah i had to bring this sucker on that's uh been a long time coming one of one of these for a while so it had parents heck heck yeah i'm i'm glad that it's sitting i can feel the vibes of that trophy getting getting flushed through the camera to me and i i need those vibes and dude you got it you got it done at the potomac river um do you have much history there um i've i've been there uh, that was my third time being there i'd fished third a Toyota series in 29 uh, 2021 or 20 it was either 20 or 21 i fished toyota series over there and uh got really close i finished fourth in that one uh, okay but i uh, just really liked the place and then i went back last year and fished a toyota and i cut a check so you know i'm three for three on cutting checks over there and just yeah. uh, i don't know for some reason I, I, I like fishing over there it's a cool fishery and it's got a lot yeah. of so, so is it one of those places where it just like it clicks for you? Like it, it, it made sense to you very quickly or dive in on that a little bit. Um, so, you know, somewhere like the James, for example, that another know, tidal body of water. Yeah. That was going to be my next question was how much, how much experience on tidal water do you have? Yeah. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got a little bit of time under my belt uh, on tidal, but it's like the, the Potomac, I feel like I don't have to worry about the tide as much. Uh, okay as I do somewhere like the James, like the James, you know, for me in the past, I've really had to pay attention to the tide and be at a certain place at a certain time. And it seems like on the Potomac, I've been able to find a group, you know, a group of bass or an area that's got some better fish in it. And yeah. it seems like that I can just, you know, hone in on that area and I may have to change my technique or my you know, presentation, but it seems like I can just, you know, really stick to that area and just grind it out. So that's, that's super like the fact that you said you find an area and you can hone in on it. So there's another guy that's done some damage on the Potomac river and his name's Brian Schmidt. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you know him <laughs> probably fished against him a bunch, but so 
one of his big things on tidal water fishing is he looks for areas on tidal bodies of water that he can make his home. He calls mm-hmm. it his home for, for the event. And it's just funny to hear you say that in, in the Potomac being his, you know, home water. It uh, obviously, obviously it's working for you. And uh, it, it resulted in, in a tour level win for, on the MLF. That was the tackle warehouse invitational series, right? That's, that's the correct terminology. Yeah. And on, on the final day, dude, I picked up on something about you from a clip and uh, you said, that's game. I don't care what they catch. I was like, this dude has, has some edge, man. Like, I love that. What was, what was going through your head when you put that one in the boat? Man, I, you know, I've thought about it, thought back to it. Like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know what was going through my mind. I honestly don't think I could control really what I was saying, but yeah. like, I was just so jacked up and in the moment, you know, I knew when I caught 17 pounds pretty early that I had a really good shot and yeah. I've been close before, you know. I've had some seconds, some some top five, top tens. I've had a chance to win before, and uh, you know, it was like I catch seventeen pounds early, and I'm I'm thinking, man, I you know, I've got a I've got a shot. Like I catch, you know, mm-hmm. one more big one or two two nice four pounders, and this could be mine. And uh, you know, I leave that area that I started in and go back to where I've been catching them. And, I'd been there maybe 30 minutes and I hook up with another one over five and a five pounder on the Potomac river is beast. Like, old, you know? So uh, I caught that one and man, I, I just knew, like I just had that feeling, you know, and I got it in the boat and I was like, that's ball game. It's yeah. like, <laughs> I don't care what they catch. Yeah, it made good TV, but I did. Yeah. After they came back to me live. I was, I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, Shouldn't have said that, but I did. So yeah, <laughs> dude, when you know, when you know, you know, it's like yeah. it's like the it's like the train that's just rolling down the tracks, and it's like you could run through a freaking wall at that moment, and like just you know, it's when it when it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, and yeah. and obviously it did. So you started off on the final day. We, we're we're already jumping to the final day, but it's all right. And uh, you you got seventeen pounds early, but I think you had to make some adjustments on that final day, right? What, so what what was going on? What was different about the final day, and, and what did you have to what did you have to do? So you know, final days before that I've had, you know, I've been close. Like I said, um, I just knew that if I tried to go back to Quantico and grind it out, that I may be coming out of there with 14, 15, maybe sixteen pounds if I'm lucky. And it was just a lot of pressure in there. A lot of guys fishing in there, and Taking it back, you know, to practice, I guess, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really have the greatest practice. I, I found some areas and, you know, fishing these tour level tournaments, you know, you're kind of running gun and practice. So you might catch a good one and then get another bite and you may just drop a waypoint and leave and say, I don't know if I can go back there and catch them or not. You may go back and you may, you know, catch 30 pounds a day and blow it out. I mean, it's really, it's really kind of unknown because you don't want to catch a bunch in practice. Right. Um, I think having a little bit of a tougher practice, you know, I, I did spend some time in some different areas and that yeah. in the Chickamuxin I went to and I noticed, you know, there, there's buoys marking this pocket and it's a spawning sanctuary, sanctuary for bass. And I saw on the buoy that it said no fishing from March 1st to June 15th. 
So in practice, none of us could go in there. Right. Pink was on our off day, which was Friday. And I knew, you know, I mean, anybody could read a buoy. I mean, you know, it's not that hard. So I figured some guys would go in there, but I didn't mess with it. I just kind of ran the program that I was on the first two days. And going out day three, I was like, you know, I've got to switch it up. I've got to try something different to try to go for the win. I want to win one of these. I've had right. these opportunities. I'm going to gamble a little bit today. And I ran over there. Of course, nobody had been fishing back there that I know of. And I'd never seen it back there. So I really was just kind of going practicing. I was just mm -hmm. going to go back there and just kind of see what it was about, see what it looked like. And, and uh, you know, I, the, the tide was high and incoming. So, high incoming. Yeah, so I, I worked my way all the way to the back. Uh, I think I caught two smaller ones, you know, on my way in on a swim jig. And uh, I get a lot of grass in there. Yeah. Oh, man. The, the milfoil in there was like, oh, okay. it was probably the prettiest milfoil I'd seen on the whole river all week. Yeah. And, and wow. you know, it'd been untouched, you know, I mean, nobody had been fishing back there. So, right. I worked my way back and I'm, I'm throwing my wacky rig around, throwing a frog around, swim jigging. And I start seeing several bass because the water was gin clear back there. And I start seeing several, you know, nice size bass swimming around. And so I, I started to slow it down and I, I ended up catching one pushing four on a frog and filling out a small limit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just kind of worked my way back out. And I was going down this one bank that looked pretty good. It was shaded. The sun was starting to get pretty high. You know, it was getting to be about eight thirty, nine o'clock. And uh, I, I worked down this bank and I thought initially that it was just a, a deep little ditch with milfoil in it because I, I, I didn't get like right on top of it. I just kind of stayed off and I saw one come up and eat something over there and I picked up a uh, bait that I've caught a bunch of them on. <laughs> the old Rico, you know, the whole Rico, Rico power play. <laughs> Man, it's so fun to catch them on this. I, you know, Dude, like, it is. Like you were saying earlier, I mean, it's like the most fun a human can have. This is actually the one that I finished fourth on in the Toyota over there. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, I was throwing a bone-colored Rico this go-round. But uh, it's just an awesome bait. And, uh, Dude, I, that bait is like – it's like the, the Maryland – bass fishing national anthem bait right there like it's dude if you don't have one of those on if you're fishing the the potomac or the chesapeake from june until september you're missing something because dude yeah. they just freaking eat it yeah dude and you get some of them like they're the bite on that thing is so awesome I it's mean, nasty it's like a <laughs> seal it's yeah <laughs> that's awesome picked it up and flipped it over there and like a high three eats it and I'm like, hmm. So I power pull down there, and within about five or six casts, I catch an another one over three and like a five something. Wow. I'm like, wow, you know, and I got fired up and everything. And I'm thinking, you know, that's when it was in my head, like I've got 17 pounds, like this, this idea to, you know, scrap where I've been starting and just gamble a little bit. It's paid off. So now I've got a chance For sure. to capitalize on it. How many? So you 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 had seventeen at that point, and you had I know you had a few big ones because you had you had one pushing five, you caught one four. Did did you have two squeakers in there too? Or yeah, I had one that was a low three, and then I had okay. one that was like a two ten in the bottom. Okay, that gotcha. 
Uh, gotcha. So you had a couple shrimps that you had yeah. to yeah. had to shake off, and mm-hmm. so did you did you shake them off in that in that spot, or did you did you have to run to somewhere else to to make those big calls? Yeah. So I ended up uh, and I fished my way out of there. Fished in there for probably another hour, hour and a half. Fished my way out, and because uh, I've always, you know, you don't leave biting fish. They were biting in there. I right. did notice, you know, after and that was that was in Quantico. That was in Chickamauxin. Chickamauxin. Okay. And I noticed on my way out that where I was catching those fish, it was actually another broom bed, uh, set of broom beds like what I was fishing in Quantico. Okay. But, I fished my way out, and uh, I ran over to Quantico to the broom bed that I've been catching them off of. And, you know, I, I, man, I probably caught 30 to 40 bass off of that one brim bed, you know, in a matter of two days, uh, three days. I mean, it was pretty impressive, but, um, I roll in there and there was a lot of guys in there, a lot of guys that, you know, had good finishes, caught their fish in there, but no one was sitting on the brim bed when I got in there, which was really surprising, you know, and I, and I, you know, I got to thank a lot of guys too. They gave me space. Everybody was really respectful. And, um, you know, that, that's huge. I mean, especially in trying to win one of these, you know, it's right. like everything has to go your way, you know, I mean, everything. And, um, you know, there were a lot of guys that were really respectful about that and, and everything, but I roll in there and I think I catch like two, you know, that, that don't help me. They're rats. And I was getting ready to pull the troll motor and go out to, towards the middle and start slinging a swim jig around. And I was like, oh, I'll just make a couple more casts. And I sling this uh, sling this wacky rig over there, and I, I drag it, you know, maybe a foot, two foot. I mean, I, I it's not been in the water long. And it just, boom, <laughs> and all. And I set the hook, and it comes up and jumps. And I'm like, this is the biggest one I've caught in here all week. And, of course, do it in the boat, and I call game, and it's like yeah. three. And it calls a 210. I mean, I'm like, I'm right there at 20 pounds now. Like, yeah. good luck. If you beat me, I'll shake your hand. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. That's that's amazing. It's like, you you know when you're like scratching, like you're scratching and clawing and you're knocking on the door of like getting that last fish. And what time of the day was it when you caught that last one? Um, It was probably about, I'm going to say 10. 10 so it was early. Yeah, it was pretty early. Oh it, my gosh. You know, I, I spent a good three or four hours in Quantico, you know, and, and caught several more off of that brim bed and several more out in the grass, but nothing that would really help me. You know, I had, I think right. I had three, one in there that I had to call out and uh, ended up running back to the chicken mucks in about one o'clock, pulled up on that brim bed and slung the old wacky rig over there and caught another one that weighed right at four pounds. So that's what gave me almost 21 pounds and yeah. it's still the deal. So yeah, I think sure. I, probably, you- I don't know for a fact, you know, what I would have had uh, if I'd have weighed in the original five keepers I had, but I may have been able to win it off of the first five that I caught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, it truly was game. It was like, freaking nail in the coffin like you're not <laughs> nobody's catching you when yeah. you put that when you put that last one in the boat dude i got a couple questions about the uh about the rico what's your what's your setup on that um so i throw the rico on uh straight braid so i'll throw it on like uh 30 or 50 pounds sunline okay. i like 30 because you can throw it a lot further yeah 
but I'll just throw it on a, a I've, I've got a Shimano Curado a six to one gear ratio and I throw it on a doomsday. I throw it on the same rod that I throw a jerk bait on. You can throw it on like a seven foot, you know, medium heavy or something, but I just like for them. I like for it to load really good because you know, like you can pull it away from them easy and it's treble hook bait. You know, I want it to load really good. So I throw it on a six ten doomsday 47 series rod. That makes me feel good. I'm throwing virtually the same setup as you. So that that's good. I I'm doing the same stuff as a champion. That yeah. works. Um, one other question about that. Do you change your hooks out? I do. I do. And I actually okay. just replace them with the Hayabusa, uh, treble hook, uh, the okay. slick coating. And, uh, I think. Does Hayabusa make a, um, make a feathered treble? Uh, don't think they do. They, they okay. may, so don't, don't hold me to that. They may okay. make one, but I think this one is actually the stock treble hook and I okay. just placed the front one on this one. How much, uh, how much stock do you put in that feather on that, on that treble? Like, do you think it's like super important or? Uh, you know, I would rather have it than not have it because yeah. I've, a lot of times, like, you know, I've been over there before and been throwing it and you'll, you'll, you'll see them like wake to it or get mm -hmm. close. You can tell they're under it. And you know, the, the Rico kind of sits about like this in the water. Yeah. Yep. They get up to it. If they're cautious, you know, sometimes I've seen them get this thing without blowing up on it. Right. Just kind of suck it under. And I think maybe, you know, they just see the feather and they go for the feather and grab it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, if I'm going to throw this, I'm going to have a feather on it. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. That's, I, I feel like that's such an important thing too. Cause like the way that bait, you know, it, the way it chugs and, and walks forward, it's almost like in my head, it makes sense. It's like, okay, it's a bait fish or a group of bait fish, right. That just got blown up on mm -hmm. by another fish. And then little Johnny that didn't get eaten is just woo, coming yeah. back down. And that's when they whoof, come up and get it. So that's, that's awesome. And then what's your, uh, what's your wacky rig set up? Yeah, so I was throwing a wacky rig on a doomsday uh, J Dam series pole. It was a it's a seven two uh, medium light rod, okay. and uh, I was throwing it on like twelve pound Sunline braid with a gotcha. eight pound leader. Uh, eight. Yeah. Wow, okay. And I don't actually. I may have been throwing it on ten to be honest. I think it was okay. ten because I was throwing it around some docks at some point. So it was ten, but uh, I was just throwing it on the. Uh, Let's see if I can get it where you can see it. The Hibusa yeah. trailer hook, the Worm mm -hmm. 929. And, uh, you know, this hook, a lot of guys were like, man, that's a big hook. But it's really not that big. And the last time I got on a podcast with you guys was when I got second on uh, Gunnersville, you know. And yeah. I used the same hook for my Nico rig. And it was like just one of those things. I was getting so many bites on it. I didn't want to use a small circle hook. So right. I, I wanted to be able to stick them good with it. And another thing that I like about this, I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but yeah, if you use a regular O-ring, uh, you know, that's fine and all, but I kind of got to where I don't like them as much. This is yeah. actually a BMC uh, little band deal. Yeah, that's a got that's the small a hole in it. And the hook, actually, if you use a hook that has a small uh, line tie, you catch a fish and it'll slide through it. And right. the will go way up your line. And then when you try to feed that hook, you basically have to retie every time to get it without ripping this piece off. But this, right. this Ibusa mm -hmm. hook having the, you know, the big, it's, uh, it won't slide through there. I yeah. Mean, 
pull on it pretty hard. It's going to rip it before it does. But I, I really like that setup. It worked really well for me. Do you feel like that bigger eye also helps? Like, So, like, one of the things I noticed with wacky rig fishing is, like, sometimes you'll throw a wacky rig out there, and it won't do, like, the the wacky. You know yeah. what I mean? It'll do, like, the, like the slide. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that little bigger of an eyelet helps give it just enough weight to, like, make it fall? the way you actually want it to fall too, or? I think so. I think, you know, it really helps with it. Like you cast it out there. Like you said, I, I really think it helps it fall, you know, wacky. Um, right. And, and it being a little bit bigger of a hook probably helps too. But yeah, it was uh, every time they would get it, you know, I, I did lose a couple on it, but it was because they buried me in the grass and I couldn't get them out of the grass. Right. Them in time. But for the most part, the ones I caught on it, you know, they were just swallowing it and I'd have them hooked right in the roof of the mouth. But it seems pretty good. The, the one downfall to the VMC thing is uh, you can see like sometimes I would cast it and it it's like this, like it should be. Sometimes you cast it out and it kind of gets in the way. It kind of right. over the hook. And then obviously you think that's going to hurt your hookup percentage. But with this a little bit bigger of a hook, I think I was still able to get them if that was the case when I threw it out there. Right. Right. That's awesome. Um, Nick, we're going to take a quick break, three minute break or so. Um, and we're going to come back. And when we come back, man, I want to talk to you a little bit about your journey. Um, the, you know, the, the road you had to take to get to where you are now, uh, because you, you have some cool stuff going on. So, um, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, we will be right back with Nick Hatfield. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University. And I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the South Rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense. It's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. 
Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That they're made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod i found that can withstand my hooks that boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. All right, welcome back to Bass University Extra Credit Podcast. Uh, today we're talking with Nick Hatfield, uh, recent Potomac River MLF uh, Tackle Warehouse Invitational Series champion, 2022 Rookie of the Year, college champ. He's got a whole list of accomplishments. He uh, He's a freaking awesome angler, just seems to catch him. Everywhere he goes, whether it's in East Tennessee, dominating back home, or whether it's on the Potomac River, or whether it's on Champlain, he just went up there and cashed a check. I mean, guys just rolling in checks. But before that, Nick, there was uh, there was a there there was a lot that led up to getting you to the point that you're that you're at right now. And uh, you were a college angler, um, but you know, even even before that, like you know. You, you 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 definitely grew up fishing and you're from East Tennessee, man, which is an awesome place to uh to learn how to fish. Tell me a little bit about what got you into it, who got you into it, and 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 all that good stuff. Yeah, um so at a very young age, my dad had me in a bass boat. You know, we were bluegill fishing off the pontoon boat, whatever it may be, but you know, I I really love to go we we'd go all the time we fished a little cut little club series and stuff around the house and uh you know he taught me a lot of what i know he's uh he's a little bit more old school you know he, he likes to crank a lot and stuff like yeah. that so he, he's taught me you know the majority of what i know and he had me in a boat at a very young age and i i appreciate that very much you know if i ever have kids i hope i can do the same but um you know it's uh one of those deals i I played golf in high school. I played several sports in middle school and stuff. And then I got to high school and uh, really got zoned in on golf. I like to play golf a lot and uh, played all four years and it, it consumed a lot of my time. But at the end of the four years, you know, I think my senior year of high school, I started to just really kind of get burned out on it. You know, I, I wasn't improving like I wanted to be as, you know, as far as maybe trying to pursue something in college or anything like that. And, um, 
And it was mainly because of the time I wasn't spending golfing. I was on the lake fishing. <laughs> yeah. When, you're supposed I, to be at the driving range and you're out jacking five pounders. <laughs> yeah. So, well, my dad, he had, a, he had a bullet boat when I was, when I turned 16, he bought a bullet bass boat. Uh-huh. And one of our buddies, he had a, an old uh, 394 Ranger. It was like an 80, 89 model Ranger, I believe. Yeah. And he bought it from him just to rob the motor off of it. <laughs> he swapped the motors on those two boats and he was going to just turn around and sell the Ranger. And, uh, I begged him. I was like, man, just, just keep it and let me use it. Just keep yeah. it. Yeah. Come on, and dad. He, he, he let me keep it. And I burned yeah. the wheels off that thing, man. I, I was, uh, first, first crash I ever had. I was in my truck pulling the boat to the lake and oh man, one was hurt, but I, I literally burnt the wheels off that thing. It's kind of, you know, I spent a lot of time, by myself i would i would i remember you know this was like really before youtube you know took off really big and stuff and i would read bassmaster magazines and flw stuff and i'd see techniques and baits and and read about them and learn about this and that or see how kvd or iconelli or somebody wanted and i would go to the lake with that bait and i would like make sure i caught a fish on it i would try I mean, I would try and try and try until I, I got to where, hey, I'd catch some fish on this thing. You and, were consumed with it. You're yeah, just, I mean, like, just so much time that I'd spent on the water and, and just trying to learn this and learn that. And I, I wanted to be, you know, one of those guys where I felt like I was very well rounded. And I always, you know, dreamed of, you know, pursuing a career in bass fishing and, you know, just like anybody else. And then that's, that's about the time. You know, YouTube started to take off and Polonix started posting stuff. And, man, I was just so wrapped up in it, watching Bassmaster and FLW and got the chance to start a fishing club, you know, at uh, the school I went to, Tuscombe College. And, uh, you know, we, we started a team, didn't have very many guys, but it was a team. And we started fishing some of that. And then, you know, it just got it just got more and more involved with it. Like, right. like so wrapped up in it. You know, we had some success in college and then, uh, you know, moved on. Uh, after college, I was like, I'm going to try the Opens. So I got in the Bass Opens. And the first year I was in the Bass Opens, it was when it was uh, the Southerns were four tournaments instead of three. Right. And uh, I, I think I was in like seventh in points with one left. And the one that was left was on Douglas Lake, my home lake. Mm-hmm. So like, here we go. I'm about to qualify for the Elites the first year I've tried. And like, this should be easy. It's my home water. And uh, I go out the first day and just did not have a good day, you know, just weighed in three fish. And then the second day I catch like almost 17 pounds in the first 30 minutes. So it costed me, but I, you know, looking back on that, I think like, I don't think I was ready for it then. I think, you know, right. I, what year was that? That was in 2018. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, looking back, I'm thankful that I didn't make it because I think I would have probably, you know, hit the scene a little too early, you know, cause I, I, the amount of, the amount of things that I've learned between 2018 and now, or, you know, even last year, I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. crazy, you know, just being on the road, seeing different places. I, I'd seen a lot of places, but I hadn't seen near the amount that I have now. And right. um, so anyhow, I fished the opens again in 2019, didn't finish. I was going to fish all nine. I didn't finish, or maybe it was eight. I think it was still eight at that point. I didn't finish them. I didn't fish the last two. 
started running out of money, just got really hard, you know. I mean, I had some good finishes, didn't have the greatest year. Um, but it just, you know, I was working a job in, a, in the accounting department at a local business here in town, and I hated sitting in an office. And I was spending every dime I made just trying to get to these tournaments and be able to pay for everything. Because as you know, like it's, I mean, it costs a fortune. It really does. You know, you've, yeah. got, to have, you've got to have stuff in place and, you know, just being friends with some of the guys that I know and, and some of the people that have given me advice and helped me out, you know, it was a, it was an idea of mine to, you know, I've got a business degree. Why don't I try to start some sort of a business and, you know, really have a good base here at home something to where even if I'm gone, I'm still making a little bit of money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what I did. I, I quit the job. I was working there in the accounting department and uh, I went to work for my uncle and uh, my cousins and stuff. And we were, we were building uh, steel buildings and doing some construction, some remodels. And I saw a gutter crew come in and they were in and out in about three hours and it was good money. And I was like, man, you know, that, that pretty interesting. So right. for about another year, I was always like, man, I'd like to do a guttering business. And I, I've done the research, looked into it and everything. And then the opportunity came up for me to buy an old gutter machine. So I bought an old gutter, gutter machine. A gutter machine. Yeah. What is that? What is that? So, so a gutter machine, they, they make these machines that you actually set the cool. It's gutter cool that you buy and they sell okay. it down and you set it on the machine and it rolls through the machine. And there's a bunch of roll formers in there and dies. And right. Just it's all electric, and it, it runs out the machine, and it, it comes in a big roll, and it's 15 inches wide. Right, and it, it creates the gutter. It shapes it. So basically, gotcha. you just run your gutter out to the length you need it. Yeah. Pop it off, you know, whatever you got to do, and hang it on the house. So it's it's very simple. You know, there's some things with it that it takes time to learn, just like fishing. Um, but right. just I like fishing, that. love that. Yeah. So I, I bought that old gutter machine, and it was really like some advice from guys here, here and there, but basically self-taught and just trial and error, you know? Right. I can't tell you how many times I put gutters on somebody's house and I either me personally wasn't happy with it or they weren't happy with it. And I would just redo it completely. I mean, and I, I wasn't going to charge them, you know, I just, I right. Wanted to do it right. You've only got one name. You don't want to ruin your name. So right. Here the customer and doing a good job is the first thing. But you know, once I kind of got it down pat, and got it rolling a little bit. I was fortunate enough to hire some people. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of turned into a thing to where I had some guys that could work while I was gone. And in, I think it was 20, 2021. Yeah, that would have been right. 21. My wife, we were sitting here. She was my girlfriend at the time. We were sitting here looking at the schedule for the Northern Toyotas. And I love Lakeland, Lake Champlain. I've been up there. I'd been up there once. I was like, man, I want to go up there. I'm going next week. And on a, just a, on a whim, I told her, I said, let's go. And so I signed up and I went and I had a good finish. I think I finished like 20th or 22nd or something like that. And just had a, had a really good time. And then it kind of came of an idea. Hey, why don't I just try the rest of them and see how it goes? Sure. Well, I go to the St. Lawrence, I have a good finish there. Um, uh, and then the Potomac was the third one. Right. And, you know, I actually just uh, – I didn't have that good of a practice, made good decisions in the tournament and found them and caught them. 
finished fourth. I should have won the thing. I had the chance to win it. I had the fish on to win it. But anyhow, it's pretty cool looking back now because, you know, I just on a whim decided to fish those Northerns and the Potomac being the one that really punched my ticket to the pro circuit or invitation. And then now it's also the place that I've yeah. got my first win. So really cool how it all come full circle. You know, it's uh, if I had any advice for, you know, younger guys or anyone out there that wants to do it, you know, you, you can't just work a regular nine to five job and expect to have the time off or the money really to, you know, try to, you know, I mean, you could probably make the money, but it's hard. Might have just lost Nick there. Um, you got me now? Gotcha. Gotcha. We'll, we'll clean that up in the editing. It's all good. So uh, it, I just would say, you know, try to start you a business, get you a good good gig going at home, and then right. you know, have to rely on just – and I've never been the type of guy to go, like, beg for sponsors either, man. I mean, like, you know, I know the game's changed a lot nowadays, and, you know, social media and YouTube and all that's super important, but – you know, I kind of wanted to prove myself as an angler, as a fisherman. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, I, and I again, I know that it's, first things first. Always, you got to be able to catch them. Like it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter how many followers you got, how good of a salesman you are, if you can't catch them, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So, and you, uh, you, you definitely, you definitely showed that you could that you could catch them early on. I mean, shoot, you almost qualified for the elites. And then just on a whim, you're like, let's go up to the Toyota series on Champlain. And, uh, and now you're sitting next to a trophy, man, that journey of the whole, the whole process and getting to where you are now, was there, is there like one thing that you could say from like a, a, like a fishing perspective, like one thing that you absolutely just obsessed yourself with to to you know to be you know to get yourself to the point where you're at now was it was it just time on the water was it it was it map study or was it learning about as many different baits as you could like you said like was there one thing that really propelled you into where you're at I, you know i honestly i just love to catch fish i mean like right i love to catch fish and You've got to love it to want to do this for sure. The journey. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, like you've got to love all of it and the highs and the lows, you know, like I came off of a hundred and third place finish at Lake of the Ozarks and basically was thinking, well, you know, it's going to be hard for me to even be in contention for the BPT now and all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm still super blessed to be fishing those and, and out there competing and stuff. So, I just truly love it, and I don't think I'll ever get sick of it. I, I could I could go fishing every day and be completely fine with it. I mean, I love it, and I think that's one thing that, you know, really helped me out for sure. I mean, I did put a lot of work in, you know. Like I said, I got consumed with it. Just, I, you know, I map study every place I go before I go. You know, I, I try to, you know, prepare my tackle, you know, like, like Polnick says, you know, you, you got to control what you can control. Yeah. And that's what I really try to do. I just try to control what I can. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're just going fishing and, you know, it is what it is. I'll do the best I can. And if that's not good enough, then maybe we'll get them in the next one. So, you know, it's, 
I don't think there's really one thing in particular that maybe set me apart or anything. I think it's just putting the work in, putting the time in, and, and truly loving the sport of bass fishing. What's your greatest strength as an angler? Like, what's your, what are you best at? It, uh, could be, it could be like a technique. It could be something mental. It can be anything. What's your greatest strength? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I would like to say that I'm really good at making decisions, but sometimes I'm okay. not. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like a ton of different techniques. I don't really have one that's a true favorite. I do love to crank a big plug. That's really fun. Um, top water is probably up there in, in my top, you know, favorite things to do. But, uh, you know, that's just going back on what I said. I, I, I wanted to be well-rounded. I, I, I don't really, per se, have a favorite technique. I mean, I like right. different things. And, um, you know, it's uh, just uh, time on the water. And Well, you said decision-making at first. You said you'd like yeah. to think that you're good at making decisions. And that that that's – I feel like you probably are, and here's why, and this is going to be – you know, kind of, it's an off the water tie-in, but you're a business owner. You started, you started your own business and you, you started a guttering business where you're working on projects, you're working on job sites, you're working on things where sometimes there's unknowns and you as the business owner, it forces you to, you have to make the decisions and you have to live by your decisions. If you guys screw up the job, like you said, guess what? You're doing it again yeah. because you want it to be right. Mm -hmm. And being able to make those decisions and believe in those decisions, I feel like that has to translate over the water. Did you, did you see any kind of like fundamental shift in your fishing, like around the same time you started the business by any chance? Um, I mean, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, you know, I, maybe I do feel like that over the past two or three years, I, I've figured out, you know, like, I don't ever like practice or fish to just cut a check. I always practice and try to fish to try to win. Right. And it, it, I just catch myself if I, if I'm practicing and, and fishing to try and cut a check like I was before the business, you know, because I was broke and, and struggling, okay. you know, I, I found myself not finishing as well and just bombing. And, you know, I, if you look at my track record over the past two years on the MLF, uh, pro circuit and invitationals like i'll either have pretty solid finishes or i'll have a bomb or two like it's it's been pretty rare the past two years that i've finished mid-pack um right you know and i think it's just like I, i'm i'm out there trying to find the most i can find and make the best right. i can make and i i guess you know I, I would say that yeah probably around the time that you know i started the business and stuff i kind of feel like that i've started to make better decisions yeah put me out I mean, you're not like, like you said, you, you're not stressing about cutting a check because you got to be able to keep your lights on and you got to make your truck payment. You know, since you have the business back home, you know, that that's going to be, you know, that's going to be there and you're, it, it, it allows you to, to fish for the win. And you said that a lot of times you're either up near the top or you're down near, near the bottom. Is that what you were saying with your, with your yeah. track record? Yeah. So it sounds like, like when you're, when you're truly going for the win and every, at every event. And I mean, that's going to happen. And, you know, guys that fish like that, you can look at all of the tours. And I mean, you mentioned Brandon Polinick, the year, one of the years he won AOI, he came in like a hundredth in the first tournament of the year. And, uh, 
he he's like that a lot too. Like he always fishes for the win, but I mean he'll he'll bomb a tournament and then go out and win the next one. Jason Christie's the same way. Jason Christie will bomb a tournament and then go out and freaking win one. Like there's there's no there's no uh there's no holding your head down and, and letting letting things get to you when you're dust off the back, go to the next one. Let's mm-hmm. try to get a let's try to get a win here. Um Man, how many uh, how many days a week would you say you fish when you're when you're home? Um, you know, I'll probably at least yeah, not as much as probably the past two years. This right. year we've been really busy. The the gutter business is growing a little bit. It's expanding. You know, we're yeah. trying to trying to get it up. You know, build it up. And uh, I, I'd say. I probably haven't fished near as much this year. I, I maybe a day or two on the water this year a week, if that. Uh, right. You know, in the Aside winter. Aside from tournaments. It, yeah, in in the winter months and stuff, you know, I'll, I'll spend quite, I'll spend a lot more time fishing, you know, than than say the spring and the summer because that's when we really get busy with gutters and stuff. But, um, you know, back two years ago when I when I was fishing the Toyotas and stuff, man, I. I probably spent, you know, two or three days a week on the water. I was spend a lot of time fishing. Um, and that's, you know, time on the waters is gold. You know, you got to have that. So, you know, hopefully at some point in time, you know, I can get back to doing that. But uh, it's just a little bit of a labor of love, give and take, you mm-hmm. know. Kind of got to give the time to the business that it needs and, and give the time to, you know, fishing these tournaments and, and staying mentally prepared and, and practiced up. So, you know. Right. All right. So what's next? Where are you uh where are you headed next? Um so I will actually go to the Mississippi River in Lacrosse, okay. Wisconsin. Um okay. I think it's like uh, it's late July. Um but it's the sixth stop of the invitationals and I'm sitting tenth in points, tied for tenth in points. They're gonna take the top eight BPT. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I've told my wife, I've told several people, I don't I'm not gonna really worry about the points too much. You know, if I if I make it this year then I make it. It's meant to be. I'm just going to go up there and, and do what I always do, just practice and try to compete for another win and you yeah. know, just kind of let the chips fall where they fall. Do you, do you travel with uh, with the crew for the Invitationals? Yeah, it's been kind of hectic this year, but uh, I'll, I'll room with Josh Weaver and uh, some, him and Tyler Stewart, and then I've been staying with um, Tristan McCormick and Blake Hall okay. a little bit. Um, over on the Potomac, Cody Meyer got to crash with us, and uh, yeah. pretty cool. He's he's an awesome dude. I like him a lot. But uh, you know, we've got got a little bit of different crews going on, but everybody's everybody's good. It's a uh, it's a good time. It's kind of right, right. Is there uh, is there anybody on the on the trail with you? Maybe one of the guys you run with, like that you guys you know work together and kind of like compare notes, like you know information type stuff. Do you have somebody tight like that? Yeah, um, you know, like me and uh, me and Tristan, we'll talk a little bit. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, we don't share a whole lot of information with each other. You know, too much is bad. Sure. Um, I talk with Josh, you know, quite a bit. Um, but you know, like I think earlier on, you know, we we'd really, you know, say, hey, you know, catching them like this over here, and I, you know, it's, it's one of those things I'd rather just kind of bounce ideas off to each other. You know, I don't want too much information, and you definitely right. too many guys in your ear, you know. Uh, right. Too many can be a bad thing, kind of get spun out. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, for the most part, just just Tristan and, and Josh, you know. Gotcha. Other than just, 
you know, guys will call and check in and say, hey, are you blasting them? Are you catching them? And, you know, it's just a, you ain't going to lie to anybody, but, you know, just a yes or no. And just try not to share too much information. You know, I don't want to lead anybody else in the wrong direction or, you know, hurt myself in that process. So, you know, as far as, you know, like specific stuff, you know, just basically Tristan and Josh. Gotcha. Who uh, who was your, your biggest mentor uh, through, through throughout your career fishing? Um, shoot. Um, you know, my dad's, my dad's been there for me a bunch. You know, he's, he's been the biggest mentor, you know, of my life, basically. Um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, I, I gotta give my dad credit, you know, but as far as like in the fishing industry, somebody that's kind of been there, done that type of thing, David Mullins, he's, uh, he's been really good to me. You know, I, I love him to death. He's, He's taught me so much, you know, he's helped me out with, uh, you know, things with sponsors, um, you know, fishing techniques. I mean, just kind of how he goes about things and smart ways of doing this and that and how to be. And, you know, he's, he's really helped me a bunch. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, you gotta have, you gotta have the right people in your corner. You gotta have the right places set up or the right system set up for when you're, when you're away and man, You've really, you've really done it. I know you, you, you got married in the past year, or just, just over yeah. a year ago, was it? I've been married for a year and going on two months now. So, well, this is a that that trophy sitting next to you was uh was I'm sure a great one year, <laughs> one yeah. year wedding anniversary uh uh it, celebration and um you got done at uh you got done at the at the Champlain event and you guys went over to the St. Lawrence river and stuck some big smallmouth. How was that? Yeah, man, that place is insane. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, we went, we actually went out on Lake Ontario and yeah. I, expected a, I expected to see more of them on the bed that we could flog and stuff, but uh-huh. it was kind of cloudy conditions that day for, you know, the majority of the day, but, uh, didn't see very many other than some bucks up there, but we ended up just blind casting around and, my wife, she, I told her, I was like, we go over there, you'll catch a big one. And she, she's like, I want to catch one over six. And about the next cast, she hooks up with one and I, it went six, seven. That's it, awesome. It was a giant one, but it was, <laughs> it was really cool, really cool places. Gosh, that place just absolutely has freaks. But man, Nick, I'm going to let you get back to the, the, the tasks at hand. I'm sure you have a lot going on. Uh, I'll be pulling for you up there at the up there at the Mississippi River. It's an awesome place to fish. I I, I wish you the best, man. And uh, we'll see you on the BPT next year, or maybe maybe back on the Tackle Warehouse Invitationals. But either way you slice it, this isn't going to be your last win. I'm confident of that, just based on the way that you go about things. So thank you for making a little bit of time for this show today. And uh, man, we wish you all the best. No problem. Thanks, Riz. I really appreciate it, man. You got it. All right, guys. That was Nick Hatfield, um, MLF Tackle Warehouse Invitational Series Pro. And man, what a what an awesome what an awesome story. What an awesome angler. What an awesome win. Um, I love talking to guys like that when, especially when there's something relatable. And the Potomac River for me is as about as relatable as it gets to talk to a guy that won there. You know, I spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours out on the Chesapeake Bay and, you know, to hear about how he got it done on a tidal body of water. He caught some key fish on 
one of my favorite baits now, the Rico and the Wacky Rig. And just what an awesome win. So, guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for everybody that listened to this show, who tuned in last week, who downloaded the show, left reviews on the podcast. Really, really appreciate it. You guys are the real MVPs and the reason that we can keep these things going. So until next week, this has been the Bass University Extra Credit Podcast. Mm -hmm.